welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Chris, we have both seen this movie. Uh, I have seen it multiple times now, and <laughs> I am very excited to talk about this. Yes, I, 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 I'm not surprised that you've seen it multiple times. I'm going to see it again with my son and uh, maybe another time. I, I don't know. I, I think this definitely warrants multiple viewings for various reasons, whether you appreciate it for the art, for the story, for the character, just because it's hype. Uh, this is definitely one of those movies that that it just makes you want to experience it. And I don't I don't know if we've had one of those in a while. I, th- I think it's there's been fun movies out there and there's definitely been fun Spider-Man movies out there. I mean, like No Way Home was definitely the, the last Spider-Man themed movie that was like super cool. And it was an experience. Right. Right. So I think I think this one was one that we've been waiting for for a while since the first movie came out, the Oscar winning, you know, uh, first movie into the Spider-Verse. And so now is the sequel part two of a trilogy. It's it's something that we've been, you know, everybody's been looking forward to. So does it live up to the hype? Right. What did you think of it? Overall thoughts? I was kind of taken back by how much I loved it and what they were able to accomplish in this film. The first one, the visuals kind of changed the game. Multiple studios were trying to mimic and to and incorporate the, the style of animation that was shown in Into the Spider-Verse. And somehow they've taken it to the next level with this one. It was unbelievable, like just a visual feast going through this entire film. There is no good reason why in a film with so many different characters, so much going on with constant motion that I should clearly be able to follow what is going on. But I was, it, it, it made perfect visual sense to me in amongst the chaos. There was just this clarity and so many interesting styles. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things here, but like the way spider punk alone was animated in this thing was just mind blowing. How about mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I think um, in a few ways, this movie surpasses the original. It, it, it's it's bigger in scope. It has more characters. It has more uh, emotional depth in, in some ways. And the first one was pretty, pretty deep, deep emotionally. Yeah. But this one takes it even further because you have different character journeys and then how their journey kind of coincides and and just so much more about the world and worlds um, that that we get to experience. We get to actually go to some of these parallel universes that that the characters are from. And in some ways, the first one was better. I'm, I'm just going to be honest, like it. I think as a standalone movie, the second one is not doesn't. I don't know if it holds up as like if I just saw this, I'd be like, what? <laughs> Huh? You know, like, I mean, it's definitely chapter two in in a three chapter trilogy because it certainly sets up things that are going to happen. It ends on a cliffhanger and it definitely builds on things that we already know from the first one. It's kind of like Back to the Future 2 is, is the first thing that came to my mind when I'm trying to think about, like, what what is this kind of similar to and feel right And in a good way, like, and I like Back to the Future too. I think it's, I, I like, <laughs> you know, how that movie 
changes the game and raises the stakes and and then sets up a third one for like a completely different story. And I think this one, you know, this movie, uh, if you like the first one, you're probably going to like this one. Yeah. But it also, you know, and it introduces some fun characters and uh, well, it introduces a zillion characters, but uh, definitely some fun characters, which we'll, we'll talk about characters after this. I, I think some people may watch this and, and get a little like, you know, there's a lot of multiverse stuff going on and it may be a little confusing for people that are just like, I, I just want a, a plot that makes sense. And you know, like, <laughs> Mike, Mike, I saw it with my wife and she kept on looking at her watch like, when is this going to wrap up? Like, and then it, it kind of ended on a cliffhanger. She's like, oh, oh, you know, like and then that was distracting for her because she was getting so nervous about the time um, and she didn't know it was like there was another one that was already planned. Um, and it like that became meta ex- distracting for her. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like I mean, if that says something, you know, like if it's if we, if it's good to know that there's a third part or should it matter? Right. Well, the first film is a self-contained thing. Like you yeah. can watch the first film on its own. It has a complete story. When yeah. they originally were marketing this film, they called it Across the Spider-Verse Part One. But then yeah. they took the part one off of it because they realized, oh, we'll just change the name to we're going to call it Beyond the Spider-Verse for the third one. So mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people forgot about that yeah. when this came out. And so when it was going through and there's so much going on and it's just like, how is this going to end? And then it's so abrupt that people are just like, oh, wait, what? It's a to be continued? Mm-hmm. Luckily, we know that the next film is coming out in March of 2024, so we don't even have to wait a full year for the next one to come out, pending like everything goes well with the animation, the writing, like everything should be done. Because I think both of these films are being worked on at the same time, so that's why we're not having to wait as long. Right. But I've talked to multiple people, and the same consensus was, I love this movie but the ending kind of left me wanting because it wasn't self-contained. And that's honestly how I felt getting out of the film for the first viewing. But then when I saw it the second time, I just got to take in the story and I was just blown away with all these emotional haymakers that were being thrown in the depth of the story. (laughs) And bam, (laughs) I I really, there's one thing specifically that I want to talk about, about miles that, is just like, I can't believe they're able to pull this off and how deep it is. But now I'm not, I don't feel like I was cut short by it being a to be continued. Now I'm just unbelievably yeah. excited for the next one. I cannot wait for beyond. After I saw the first one, uh, I don't know if I was like, I want another one. I mean, I, I did eventually, but, but it was definitely like, Oh, that was such, that's so good. It was self-contained. If that's all I got, I was like, cool. And in this this world of trilogies and sequels and everything and, you know, comic book movies, of course, there's going to be another one. I mean, we we didn't know it didn't it didn't do like fantastic the first time. Right. I mean, it it was it wasn't the blow away hit that that I think it's slowly become over like repeated viewings and kind of like going on streaming and everything across the Spider-Verse. I think it's tripling the opening of Into the Spider-Verse. That's how much bigger this has gotten because of how good the first one was. Yeah. So uh, and and to get kind of, you know, literary and (laughs) and critiquey and whatnot, like 
I think the thing that throws people off, or at least threw me off, uh, kind of to your criticism and the stuff that you've heard, is that there's not really a three act structure. It's like it's like one, two, two, <laughs> like it kind of it kind of wraps up something and then it sort of starts another thing and it kind of ends on the two. It's like, what, what, you know, <laughs> and, and like it goes somewhere where you think, oh, OK, and then you're like, well, OK, they introduced a villain and then nothing. And then what happens with that villain? Like there's not there's not really more that the antagonist that sort of just throws some antagonists at you or or things that are happening and and it just keeps happening. And they, they don't really say. Here's a here's a wrap up to that little thing, it kind of. But but I mean, they they basically introduce villains and they introduce sort of the truth bomb of of why Miles is who he is. And that's the big thing. And and I think for some younger viewers, they might be like, huh? You know, like, where, where's the big villain fight? You know, like, that's so traditional. I think that's what that's what throws it off. It's a little bit narratively different. And I don't know if that's bad. I think I think it's too soon to tell if that is if that's going to work or not, if it's going to be confusing for people, if it's going to be like this movie doesn't work or if it's like this is really smart. And I like the fact that they're setting it up for a bigger story, you know? Well, the overall reviews are like glowingly positive. So I, I it definitely is working for people Yeah, because this isn't where the the issues that I had initially with it were not big things. It's just, yeah. oh, that's different. And then I sat with it and thought, we've been given this three act structure for so long. And a lot of people are complaining like, oh, it's the same thing over and over. Like you have the beginning, you introduce the villain, it's go, it goes really bad for the hero. Then things start to get better for the hero. And then there's the th- third act fight, hero wins. People are tired of it. Like mm-hmm. people are done with that format. It's too predictable now. So if when you give them the film like this, which has taken a villain like the spot going from being a joke, the the villain of the week and turning him into someone that is absolutely terrifying is such a cool concept that I cannot wait to see come to fruition in Beyond the Spider-Verse because He's somewhat untouchable at this point, like able to jump to other realities immediately, able to not be touched by the heroes that are trying to attack and fight. So I'm not quite sure how they're even going to be able to go up against Spot in this next one. And we should say right now, too, we're going full on spoilers for the rest of this review. Uh, If if, it wasn't obvious. (laughs) If it's not obvious. Gosh, I love Jason Schwartzman as a villain. He like one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie of all time, is Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim versus the World. Him <laughs> yeah, as Gideon which Graves. We've talked about. We yeah. have a whole episode, whole episode. about that. So. <laughs> yeah. So him as Gideon Graves, it just fits so well here because he's such a he's such a great voice actor, actor period, but also voice mm-hmm. actor. Going from being like this, hey, I'm a goofy character, to hey, why yeah. don't you take me seriously? To oh no, I'm a problem for you, and mm-hmm. you need to pay attention. His his arc is so good yeah it's really it's a really fun choice and i was i doubted it you know i was like i don't know because they didn't really show the intimidation level of the spot in the in the trailers at all Not at all um it was very like here's this goofy character and we're like okay i guess that's a thing um 
And then I, I had seen maybe like a little tease of like, oh, the vultures in this and they're going to have him be a big villain. Because in the in the first one, there was like six or seven villains. And so I was ex- mm-hmm. kind of expecting the same thing. And we kind of don't have that. You know, it's it's basically it's all the spider people and two villains. And it's mostly the spot and and uh, something else at the end. And <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's good. But yeah, I agree. Jason Schwartzman killed it. And it was a really cool choice. And, and just. I, you know, the spot as a character is really interesting because like I, I was looking into it a little bit after the movie. I was like, I got we got to find out more about this and uh, maybe we'll do a little mini episode on the spot or something. Yeah, we could do that. Um, but because uh, he's been he's 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 often used from other villains as this like catalyst for like, oh, we're going to use him to do something, to commit crimes, to cause a rift to, you know, uh, to to do these terrible things like Kingpin has used him and like it, it's funny because he has that tie in the movie as as well so um, and, and it's kind of neat to see like no I'm not going to take it anymore you made me I'm your arch nemesis you know and it's a little forced but it's like it kind of makes sense like he was a scientist in the collider and the bagel and in the bagel <laughs> yeah and the yeah and the bagel that was really funny <laughs> he got hit by the bagel and and uh and it's like okay now he's kind of become you know his life was ruined and he can't get a job and it starts off with like everyday things but then it becomes like oh i I, i'm he's the perfect villain for this world of worlds with Mm -hmm. all of these different portals because he learns how to go from universe to universe using his own power and and basically like amp himself up using the powers of the collider and it's like oh no this is this is not good. <laughs> he basically accomplishes in a in a weird way what Kingpin couldn't in the first one, which is using the power of the collider to get what he wants. And it becomes a threat. And it's an interesting way to kind of go back to that formula without repeating the formula um, and using the same like big MacGuffin kind of device right. from the first movie um, in a different universe, which is interesting as well. What this movie does so well is what a lot of other comic book films try to do, which is introduce multiple villains. And through like a natural series of events, you really have three main, you have three antagonists, one getting introduced at the very end. Spots Evolution, fantastic. Miguel O'Hara believing what he thinks is best, but we get these glimpses that he doesn't, he might not have like the most genuine intentions. Like he tries to bite vulture's neck like he he was straight about to kill vulture (laughs) it looked like in in that other world so something's off about miguel in this whole story i think there's going to be a big revelation in the next one that he might even be outed as not even being a an actual spider-man because even miles in this movie was like are you you got claws like are you sure you're a spider-man like (laughs) i think there's seeds planted where we're gonna get a twist because like miguel is injecting himself with that serum and they might play with it there. Yeah. Big, big spoiler, obviously near the end of the movie is we learned that miles was bitten by that spider 42 that was brought out of earth 42 into his universe, 1610. That's what bit him. But that spider was intended to bite the miles Morales from earth 42. And that set off these series of events that led to that miles not becoming spider-man but becoming the prowler kind of mentored by his his criminal uncle aaron davis who in 
Miles's universe, good our Miles's universe becomes the Prowler, but in this other universe, forty two, um, yeah, he he becomes the Prowler, and and there is no Spider Man, and you can kind of see like there's fires on the horizon, and there's crime, and like his dad has has died because there's a mural with his dad's you know, Jefferson Davis on it. And it's like, oh, I'm that was such a good reveal too. like he goes to the universe. You think he's home. He sees his mom. He comes out as Spider-Man and she's like, who? And and it's like and I was kind of like, huh? You know, and it took me yeah. a second just to be like, were you like that too? You're like, wait, what does she really just not know? I mean, I think she knows. Well, as soon as it, as soon as it said like Earth 42, I was like, oh, he's in the wrong universe because he's from yeah. 1610. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're just like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they're, I, I wish they hadn't said what Earth he got sent to. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because that would have led to it being a little bit more of a shock. I must have missed it because I, 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 I didn't see that title card or whatever. Because and... I, I, I think when, when the machine is sending him away, I think the machine says designation is Earth 42. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, it, it's like quick. It so quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's so I, I think quick. it's quick, but I saw it and I was like, oh, he's not getting sent home. Uh, but yeah. like the fact that we now have three antagonists, one of them having literal army of spider people that can go up against Miles. We have Spot, who seems like he's untouchable really at this point. He's essentially intangible. And now you have this introduction of a villainous Miles Morales as the Prowler going into another movie. You have three well-established antagonists. I can't wait to see how it evolves through the next film and what that final sequence is going to look like going up against everybody or. So we've talked about some, the antagonists and, and, and by the way, Oscar Isaac kills it. Like such a good, like I love how serious and the, the, like, you know, I don't smile and like (laughs) they kind of joke about a little bit and how just moody is, but, but he's very intense and he's very like you, you, you empathize with them. You can see like, you know, he says, well, I I messed up and I, you know, I did the whole thing where I tried to cheat the universe and it didn't work and you can't do this. And like it, it's just none of it seems corny and he sells it. And it's it's awesome. Like Oscar Isaac is one of my favorite ask, actors and and he does great. Yeah, um, uh, so, yeah. And, and Shamik Moore, let's just talk about, you know, the voice of Miles Morales in both the regular Miles and the kind of cool evil twist alternate reality miles uh prowler miles like that that was so So chilling just like oh no those like anti-gravity boots that got are now the air jordans it's Uh such a nice touch it is it is as if literal transition of miles becoming the prowler it's so well thought out yeah that was that was good but so let's talk about the the team of heroes the other kind of supporting characters but and i wouldn't even say supporting character in the sense that gwen stacy spider gwen ghost spider whatever you want to call her it says gwen stacy but uh Haley steinfeld who plays her voice it's kind she kind of gets almost like a co-starring role yeah she's a co-lead absolutely it's a co-lead and and like it starts the first what like 20 like 15 minutes is is her backstory yeah and and it Basically, like a lot of the movie is kind of showing how she's going through the same kind of stuff that Miles is going through. Like she's going through, should I tell my family and and I'm all alone and I can't be I can't have friends and I but I do want to have a friend. And can I can I 
make myself vulnerable for that. And I like that it doesn't really give us like the the kind of romance that that it's budding towards, but it sort of hints at and it's like clearly he has a thing for her and she kind of has a thing for him, but they they're hesitant. And that's that's a classic sort of Spider-Man thing, but it just works really well because um, they have a great chemistry. And I love that they just had a nice that scene where it's upside down, you know, and like they're sitting next to each other upside down. It's such a great like flirty, you know, kind of heartfelt moment with the two of them. And yeah, it's, it's really nice. I mean, they, they, I like that. They just took the time to be like, we don't need to have a big action scene here. Let's just have the talk and be like, we're, we're really good. You know, like we're friends and I miss you and it's been a while. And, you know, and they kind of go through those, those hoops. Like he kind of loses her trust. And then I love that Gwen at the end is like, nope, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to put a team together. And that was a great moment at the end when we get, uh, you know, characters that we didn't really see in the second one come back like noir and, and ham and, you know, Penny. And, uh, but yeah, but I think the new characters that we get to, uh, learn my favorite is is Hobie is is yeah Hobie's MVP Hobie Brown Spider 100%. Punk I mean like so good just funny and and just <laughs> I I love the the idea behind Spider Punk the way he's animated is is just this punk you know collage letters and and very rough and cut together and just uh, it's done so well and just his voice acting is great Daniel Kaluuya. Um, another Oscar winner uh, yeah. has has done a fantastic job and just had a really had a lot of fun with with this Spider-Man. I love what they did with it. I love that, you know, when everyone's kind of miles runs and he's revolting, he's like, I'm out of here, whatever. And he just like kind of he's like, I quit. away. But then he doesn't really like he's kind of like, ah, but I'm I'm not going to do what you think I do, which is punk in itself. Yeah. Hobie is like three steps ahead of Miguel this entire film, but he does it so subtly. Like he, he doesn't trust Miguel whatsoever. And that's why he's, what he's trying to tell miles. He, he's like, Hey, like figure out what this is before you sign up because you want to know what you're signing up for. And miles is just like, but why are you here? Then he's like, I'm here for my drummer. And so he's literally only there to support Gwen at that point too. He's trying to look out for her. And meanwhile, he's like grabbing all these pieces of tech around and he's ready to make his own teleporting device to go between the multiverse, which is what he gives to Gwen later in the film. There's Mm -hmm. he's so smart. And initially they do something really cool, which was they they make you think that Hobie is trying to go out with Gwen is trying to be this this alternative love interest in the storyline an object of of uh you know envy and <laughs> yeah but the minute hobie is introduced he immediately is trying to help miles the the second miles is trying to use that that venom strike to break down that barrier to get in to stop spot from using the ultron collider he immediately tells he's like hey you need to use like your whole hands not just fingertips and that's how Miles is able to get out of the trap that Miguel throws him in later in the film, which kind of sets off this entire chase, which was beautifully animated. So good. One of the most fun moments I've had in a, in a movie theater in a long time. But mm-hmm. Hobie is just constantly thinking ahead. He His personality is perfect. I think feel like this is the first time I've heard Daniel Kaluuya uses, uses actual 
voice rather than his American accent in a film, yeah. which was super cool. But just like he's using like, like Cockney yeah, like, language. Like Cockney, and yeah. yeah, he's like he's saying Scooby-Doo when meaning clue, like all the, all these mm-hmm. like fun terms. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's very my like lock, stock and two smoking barrels. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, fun little tidbits uh, of how why Hobie is so cool is Hobie in the main Marvel Universe is the Prowler. Is is like he he takes on the role of the prowler early on in his career, and then I think at one point even becomes the Hornet, um, and it, it's it's because Hobie from a different universe is the one that becomes you know Spider Punk, but Hobie Brown in the main Marvel universe is uh, was originally the Prowler, which is interesting. Oh, so, that is really interesting. It's like ooh. <laughs> Hobie was really cool. Um, Issa Rae as Jessica Drew. We got a spider woman, which was really cool. And that was fun to see like Gwen kind of having the same like, oh, who who are you? And like that, like sh- she's really cool. And like having a, a pregnant hero was was a was mm-hmm. a cool choice, like having Very a Jessica fun. Drew that that was, you know, full on with with child. And and she's got this cool motorcycle that she's always using, like as a weapon, which is awesome. Uh, of course, Jake Johnson is Peter B. Parker is back. And this time with uh, Mayday. Uh, the the little baby. <laughs> My wife loved Mayday. Yeah, Mayday was fun. You know, Adorable. Mayday has like, you know, inherent inherently um, uh, spider powers, and, and and she was definitely a lot of fun. And and he's like full on dad mode and just loving it. And uh, but I I really like how there was moments where he's like, I care about you, and I'm you kind of inspired me to be a dad, and you you're the one that saved me and got me back with Mary Jane and like, like that was really heartfelt as a dad. I'm kind of like, yes, you know, I get that. And, and you want to respect that. And Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson Davis and Luna Velez as uh Rio Morales, uh, just do a great job just being parents that are trying to understand their teenager and trying to cover for him when they meet the principal who's, Rachel Dratch is so funny as the principal um, yeah. uh, and is, and trying to understand him like and being angry with him and then immediately regretting it and or trying to be like, that was that was right. Right. Yeah, that was good. Like I, I had so many moments of like, oh, this is such a good like, it's <laughs> hitting so hard with like the parenting lessons and stuff. So yeah, I, I, they just did such a great job and and having that switch when Miles goes to Universe 42 and then you just you're like, no, Rio, no, that's not. No, <laughs> like you can't you can't be that person. You can't like you, you don't realize that it's a uh, different miles. And it's like, uh, yeah, Hobie was definitely my favorite new character in the film. But I also was a massive fan of Spider-Man India. So mm. it was played by uh, Karan Sony, who plays Dopinder in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the Deadpool movies, which uh-huh. is incredible. But such like his humor like his timing is perfection in this mm-hmm. film like trying to build up the tension between miles and gwen was just so funny they they showed off his powers in such a unique and interesting way yeah, like seeing his, his hair. world his hair is great <laughs> he's he was just so funny i love the little joke about chai <laughs> yeah he says chai tea chai means tea are you gonna have some non-bread no you're not because non means bread 
Like there, there's that. And the same thing with Mike Miles and his university. Like why you call why you add machine at the end of ATM? The M stands for machine. So there's just these threads of jokes throughout the film that were so well done. That's the thing too, is the writing was so on point throughout mm-hmm. this entire film. Usually there's sequences where like jokes don't really land for me or it's like, eh, it's kind of a throwaway. But this film is just like all killer, no filler to me. Everything yeah. has a purpose. The jokes land. The the emotional moments hit really, really hard. Yeah. It, it just blew me away. I can't believe they pulled off this film the way that they did. Well, it's it it's another movie by that written by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who did the the Lego movie and and I think Batman, or at least they work on Lego it. They Batman. worked with the, like a Batman, uh, uh, David Callahan was another screenwriter. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just very fast paced. We're seeing a lot of these movies that are like multiple writers because it's almost like comedy writing room. But they have they're and they're incorporating a lot of ideas, and it kind of just keeps them in check. It's a checks and balances when they're writing. So I mean, the, it's it's common I think nowadays, especially with comic book movies, to have multiple writers because they're making sure that all the references, all of the names all of the easter eggs are correct but then at the same time they're just they have to make sure they're telling a good story that doesn't treat their audiences like you know (laughs) five-year-olds right yeah um, and then this movie was definitely aged up like there's language in this film that was not apparent in the first one and it's a grown-up story because miles is a little bit older now too and and i want to say this now so i don't forget to include it in this recording is that there is there's an element in this film where like Miles's mom is talking to him about like you're growing up like protect that boy make sure he feels like mm-hmm. he like that he knows he can be in any room like don't let anyone tell him he doesn't belong because he does and the big push of this film from Miguel O'Hare and the other spider people is that Miles is this anomaly that he's the original anomaly. He wasn't even supposed to be Spider-Man. He's messing with these canon events. And if he does enough damage, he can destroy this web. But they're saying he can't be there. He doesn't belong. And it's not because of things he does necessarily. It is who he is, is an inherent trait of him. And Mm -hmm. you can take this and apply it to people in their lives that have been told that because of who they are inherently, that they should not be included in things they shouldn't be allowed to be in certain places or, or you shouldn't be able to achieve this part of whatever thing in your life. And it hit, like I saw this film again with my wife. And so she, she is also from like parents from two different countries. And so for her, it it hit because she had lived in places where she was told or made to feel like she did not belong. And talking with her after this film, she's like, that is some deep rooted, like introspective like contemplation about how you as a person that you cannot change the things about you. And those are the things that people tell you why you shouldn't be somewhere. And it, Oh man, it, it hits like a ton of bricks and you see the look on miles's face. And and it's, it's this look that millions of people in the world have had when they've been made to feel like they shouldn't be somewhere it is a deep concept to be throwing in this animated film, but it lands so well. And I cannot applaud this movie enough for taking these concepts that are just so like heartfelt and personal Mm -hmm. for people 
and showing it in this amazing way where Miles literally is being faced with it and then saying, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Like he stands up to it and he realizes in this film that he's not afraid anymore and he knows how strong he is and he's not backing down because he took out every single other spider person in this entire (laughs) movie. He took them all on and he beat them. Yeah, it's definitely like him realizing like the first if the first one is him realizing like he can be Spider-Man. This one is realizing he is a unique Spider-Man as everyone else, if not more unique, because he has powers that none of them have. Right. Because he is a he is an anomaly, but that's not a bad thing. Like he, he's got advanced powers um, that that uh, as far as we know, a lot of the other spider folks don't have. Um, And uh, one other thing I want to mention is just, you know, we've, we've talked about how beautiful this is and and the style and stuff like that. But I think one of my favorite things is, is the uh, in Gwen's universe, just the color and, and the kind of washed sort of, watercolor style that they have in the backgrounds and how the artists were loose enough to be like, you know what? We don't need everything to be like super clean and rendered. We're just going to play it almost like an emotional palette. And it was done so well. And, and that's a hard decision to make, like from watching something like a Pixar movie where everything's like crisp and it has to be super, you know, 3d realistic. And then this one is kind of, it looks like it's on a painting. And yeah. it basically was like some of the backgrounds were just washed kind of. a. It's like gradient. it's like watercolor. Yeah. And it, but but you, you still had these things and, and it got more washy and out of focus as the emotions were being heavier, like as as Gwen was trying to understand what her, what she needed to say to her dad. And and uh, and the fact that they wrapped up her storyline, well, not wrapped it up, but at least kind of wrapped up her arc with her dad, like. She her dad finds out and she goes away and then they come back and then they kind of have this reconciling moment like you're you're going to be OK. Like I, I I respect you for whatever. And she pulls him in with the web and it's just like, oh, you know, so it, it, it's great that they it, at least like her like they had that for at least one of the characters. I think if they didn't have it, it would just would have been too much like wrap up something. <laughs> yeah, the relationship between between Gwen and her dad is beautiful and also really important because Mm -hmm. Gwen realizes, Oh, the captain that's close to me in my life is not my dad now. And so like, I don't, cause she was trying to contemplate even letting her own dad die because of this web. And now he's not a captain cause he is retiring. And so she's like, Oh, there there's different ways we can do this. Like we don't have to let the people close to us die which is yeah. definitely going to come into play in the next film. Uh, I think if, if we haven't touched it also enough, like the music in this movie, another like out of the park, I've been listening to the soundtrack like in the car and I I've re-listened to Am I Dreaming over and over and over. That song is beautiful. It's what ends the film. I don't think there was a runaway hit like Sunflower or, no, like, no, no. or What's Up Danger or anything like that. I mean, but yeah. What yeah. do I know? It, I, I don't think the soundtrack <laughs> is as good as the first one. The first one is like next level, yeah. but there are songs in this that I just love. Like the music is They're great. Fun, yeah. The music is great. It's hard to recreate that other album, uh, like the same feels and everything. But again, yeah. beautiful. 
let's talk quickly about like the surprises that we saw and then we'll kind of wrap it up with final thoughts or whatever we want. Oh, yeah. Good little good little Easter egg surprises. Uh, Well, we got to talk about Donald Glover. Yes. Oh, my gosh. In in the Prowler suit. We got to see Donald Glover in the Prowler suit. Donald Glover, which we saw him as Aaron Davis in Spider-Man Homecoming in the MCU. And then somehow they got him to be. Aaron Davis in the prowler suit in this kind of like containment cell. And he's like, uh, what's up? You know, like all the different prowlers were there and he's just sitting there just kind of chilling. And it's like, ah, that's awesome. Nice little moment. Nice little throw, throw in for the fans uh, because he was kind of, we talked about in the miles episode, like how he was in a frame, you know, in in the prowler, uh, a little shot of his apartment and everything of the community episode. Yeah, we also get the Lego universe. We got a Lego Spider-Man universe, and he's one of the best there is. I love that. And he yeah. called Miguel and everything. That was really fun. They use the sound clip from uh, of uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, mm-hmm. like saying, like, get back and get me pictures of Spider-Man. Like yeah. they use that clip in there again. And then J.K. Simmons does. He, he shows up multiple times as J. Jonah Jameson in this film, because like back in Earth 1610, J. Jonah Jameson is on the news as so Mm -hmm. in all of these different universes, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson, which is fantastic. Uh, We also see clips of Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. We see uh, his uncle Ben. We see Andrew Garfield. Um, I mean, like we there's clips and and, like viewings of like these. These are Spider-Man that are all kind of different Spider-Man, which is really cool. I don't know if there was a Tom Holland. Uh, you saw it a second time. Did you see anything that was I like? See, I didn't see any Tom Holland, but I will go out on a limb and say we're definitely getting something Tom Holland related and beyond. Yeah. The the one thing I read, I, I, I can't take credit for this, but the one thing I read was that when they showed his uh, his uh, what's, what's the word I'm thinking of uh, his dorm room um, with Genki uh, Genki has a poster of a football team uh tottingham i think um the, the soccer you know and tom holland is a big fan of that oh team gotcha so there's a little nod and wink and you miss it kind of thing uh it's like his favorite footballer team right so uh i i think maybe that was a, a little like eh, well we can't get tom in here but here's a little something for him you know right like he, he appreciates this uh i will say I love Ben Riley. He always gets crapped on in the comics. He always gets <laughs> okay, the shaft yeah, and everything. You're a big ben Riley fans. So. I was. I love the way he's animated in this movie. It's right out of the nineties. Yes, but <laughs> and and I I get the reason why they chose to play off the character the way they did. They got Andy Samberg to do the voice for this character, so he's like very much in his emotions and brooding. And I I I a hundred percent get why they chose to do it. I just want Ben Riley to. One, be shown to be cool and to not get screwed over horrendously, but it continues to happen in every single media form that he appears in. Uh, he, yeah. I just want I just want Ben Riley to have his day finally because he has never had his day. But it's, it, it, it was fun. Like he had it some is fun. fun moments, you know, and he, he's one of the, the main crew that that my. Uh, that uh, Miguel brings with him and he's like, Ben, he's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm posing. <laughs> it's <a> cool pose. <laughs> like I get, I, again, I get why they did it. 
but yeah. he's just another he's like the butt of the joke again type of yeah. situation he's he's made to be the gimmicky guy someday someday whatever we did get to see agent venom was in the background for a few frames he was oh. back there flash thompson spider-man agent venom was back there so there okay. was that at least future foundations right. spider-man was there but nice. tons of stuff tons of fun things chris do you have any final thoughts on the movie you know i think I'm really excited for the third one. I think the the third one is going to be really fun just to see the Gwen's team of, of spider heroes that she's assembled and uh, how they wrap, how they kind of come to miles's rescue or how miles can get out of his situation facing himself, which has all sorts of metaphorical implication. You know, if he finally tells his parents, if his, if his dad is going to live, uh, you know, how they deal with the spot. Like you said, like he's basically intangible. Like how can you fight somebody that can j- portal jump into a different universe within themselves that basically amped himself up, you know? So like it, it's, they, they've definitely raised the stakes where it's like, how are they going to win? Right. Like some, right. somebody's going to not live or not, you know, not everybody's going to have a happy ending. Basically, in all the Spider-Verse, in all the Spider-Man tales and all the Spider-People tales, there's a tragedy that happens. It's going to be interesting to see because this is uncharted territory. <laughs> this is this is not based on anything. It's it's all new, but it's using characters and, and themes that we love. So it's it's the question is, do they stick to the theme of is Miles going to have tragedy and he's he's building off of that and that's what defines him as he, he has to have that great responsibility or is he able to create his own destiny and that's that's what i'm looking forward to yep i cannot wait for spider-man beyond the spider-verse we only have to wait until march of 2024 fingers crossed that that date sticks but i love this movie it it is so high in my rankings for Spider-Man films now. I I am planning on going and seeing it at least for a third time in theaters, maybe more. That's the benefit <laughs> of having AMC A-list is uh, you can just keep going. <laughs> it's the same price the whole month. It's great. Everybody, if you have not seen this film, why did you listen to this episode? But go ahead, go check it out, rewatch it, because this, this movie deserves to have all of the monies at the box office. It's already going to have like $120 million opening this weekend, I think, right now. Oh, and there's no mid or post credit scene. Yeah, you don't even have to wait. You can just leave. Just You're good. Yeah. But again, if you're learning that here, why did you listen to this episode before (laughs) seeing the film? Well, it's time to close the book on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So until next time, this is Chris. And Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer.